Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as he makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com. God, we thank you for a chance to worship you together. Thank you for the beautiful weather, uh, the reminder of spring, of new life, of your, your, just your goodness. And um, I just pray even today that many of us would experience your goodness, that we would hear from you, that we would discern what is your voice and follow. Um, we ask these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. So when we lived in Michigan before we moved to Chicago, seems like a long time ago, it's been like 11 years for us, uh, we had one of the, the youth group members that uh, had just graduated and we had uh, mentored and, and, and discipled and you know, been, been their youth group leaders for a long time. We invited him to come and live with our family for a year because his parents moved away and he wanted to go to a community college in the area. And I, I came home one day from work and found him on the couch and he, had, uh, he was studying for college. And uh, he had like a basic English class that he had to take. And it was fascinating because his studying involved him sitting with the TV on, right? He was watching sports. He had headphones in, listening to music. He had his cell phone, and cell phones weren't quite as cool as they are today. Uh, this was almost, you know, 13 years ago now. But he, they, he still had like the, the first iPhone, you know. And he was texting three or four people. He had food, and a drink, and he was baking cookies all at the same time. And uh, he had his textbook sitting on his lap, and I said, what are you doing? And he said, studying. And I said, wow, it's going to be really hard to study with all that going on. He's like, well, what do you mean? Like, this is his honest question. I said, well, you got like 15 things going on. How on earth are you going to be able to focus on what you need to learn and what you need to remember? What do you need to like, recall when it's time for your test? He looked at me like I was crazy and just kind of scoffed at my pushing back on his studying habits. We are distracted people, though, aren't we? I mean, I, I, I rip on him for that, but even this week as I was writing this sermon, every time I'd sit down to use my computer, uh, things popped in my head. Like, oh, you forgot to write that person back. So I'd hop on my email and I'd write that person back. Or, oh, shoot, you were supposed to get back with this person, and they called you, and you never called them back. So I'd call that person. Um, and then our kids are at home in school, you know, from school, doing school online. Oh, this person needs help with their homework, or this person needs a snack, or, uh, you know, whatever is going on, right, in our lives. And it's, it, whatever it would take for me to be distracted from what I was doing. And I think that we, we all know that, that God speaks to us, that God wants an intimate relationship with us. But it's so hard because we're so distracted. It's, it's just, it's nearly impossible uh, to, to create space in our world where we can be free from distraction. Uh, I get on you know, Facebook and I don't even care what other people have to say. Right? Like, and there's just so many bogus articles, there's so many people writing things that are just complete nonsense. And yet you're still like, find yourself 10 minutes later 
scrolling through all these things that you don't care about, and it's just like completely unhelpful, right? And it's just mind-numbing busyness when you, you know when you're. <laughs> it's hard to even uh, take five minutes away. You wake up in the morning and you grab your phone and, and you start on your path towards filling your mind so that you aren't bored or whatever we're trying to avoid. In the same. Um, way when we led youth group trips, I remember kids saying things like this. They would say, I'm so excited to go on this retreat, or I'm so excited to go to this camp to get away and hear from God. I'm excited to, to uh, get away from all of the distraction. But isn't it sad that we have to leave our daily lives in order to really live life the way that God calls us to and wants us to live? If our ultimate, you know, calling in life is to, to be known by God and to know God. And we accomplish that only when we leave our normal surroundings. Well, I just don't know if that's exactly what what God had in mind. Really what happens is we only experience what God intends for us to experience all the time once or twice a year when we intentionally leave some of our distractions behind. Rich Velotis, who's a pastor in Brooklyn, says this, the inner and outer distractions minimize the capacity for us to see God's activity around and within us. There is a story of of Mother Teresa, and um, I thought it was a good one to share. Mother Teresa, during an interview... On TV, she, she was asked what she says to God when she prays, and her answer was, I don't talk. I simply listen. Believing, this commentator, you know, believing he understood what she had said, the interview at, next asked, ah, then what is it that God says to you when you pray? And Mother Teresa says, he also often doesn't talk. He also simply listens sometimes. And there was a long silence with their interviewer seeming a bit confused and not knowing what to ask next. Finally, Mother Teresa broke the silence by saying, if you can't understand the meaning of what I just said, I'm sorry, but there's no way I can explain it to you better. And I think what she's saying is that in order to hear from God, there's sometimes where we just need to be in the presence of God, right? Because we, you know, everyone will tell you to meditate, Everyone will tell you to take some space to, for, for yourself, to set your, center yourself, and that's good. I actually believe that's like a really healthy thing to do. But what's unique about Christianity is you're not just doing it alone. You're not just centering yourself. You're actually like receiving what God has for you. You're actually in, a, in an intimate relationship with God. And so we see all throughout the scriptures that God wants to be with us, like Mother Teresa is speaking about it, and he also wants to speak to us. God speaks to people. John 16, 13 says, but when he, this is Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. He will glorify Jesus because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. I want to make it known to you today that you can hear from the Holy Spirit. This is the greatest gift that God has given us outside of the cross and the resurrection and conquering death and sin is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit actually lives in us. C.S. 
It's a crazy idea that you don't need a pastor, you don't need a theologian, or you don't need a friend, or you don't need anybody else to engage with God, but that God will actually speak to you if you take the space and the time to listen. That God will, God's presence is with you wherever you go as a Christian. What a statement, what a belief. I don't know if the other religions really think of God in that way. God is with us, that God speaks to us, that God is near, not distant and far, not you know, up in the sky waiting to condemn or show us something new or manipulating things, but it's actually among us, right, with us. But we have to want to hear from God, and we have to learn to know if it's God or someone else. When I was young, uh, maybe you were like this. My, my parents did not want to buy us new clothes, and so we got a lot of hand-me-downs. And I'm all for hand-me-downs, so this illustration is just, just go with it for a minute, all right? But there was a guy that was like a year older than me, and he was a much bigger person than I was. And, and they would always buy new clothes, and then after he was done with them, he'd give them to me once he grew out of them. And then I'd have all these clothes to wear, and it worked out pretty well. And then I got to like middle school, and into like the early years of high school. And at that point in time, I wanted to pick out my own clothes, right? I didn't want the hand-me-downs or what other per- another person liked, even though that they were free, right? Even though they were more affordable. I wanted to pick out what I wanted to wear. Now, I, don't, I could care less about clothes anymore, but at that time, it was really important, right, to have the right clothes, to look a certain way, to, to be. And so what I, I guess what I could say is that... Um, there came a time when hand-me-down clothing didn't work for me anymore. And when it comes to down, I think it comes to God, I think that there comes a point in time when hand-me-down revelation doesn't work anymore for us. Only spoon if we're only experiencing spoon-fed word of God from other people, it isn't good enough. There ought to come a time in your life when you want it directly from the source and not just faith dependent on hearing what other people have heard from God. I think we need to, I'm all for hand-me-down clothes. Those are good, right? We need to hear from other people. We need to receive from other people. But there's a point in time in our lives that we need to stop settling for that. I think you get the point. But there is a part of me as a pastor that's scary when I say, you need to go and hear from God and discern what God is saying. And it's not because I'm somehow uh, understand God way more than you, but we all have we all know people that manipulate what God has said, right? They manipulate those spaces when they say God has told me this thing. And you can control and you can manipulate and you can do all sorts of evil things because you claim that you heard from God. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, what you think is the right road may lead to death. A lot of evil in the world gets blamed on God because they say, we, well, God told me to do this thing. And it is possible to hear from God and hear from Satan sometimes very close together. Let's look at our passage in Matthew 16. Jesus, it's in Caesarea Philippi. Everybody's wondering, who is this man? He's doing all these incredible miracles. He speaks with authority. He's just an incredible teacher like nobody had ever heard before. Thousands of people are coming. And some people are saying, oh, this is John the Baptist. Or this is the Elijah that is to come. Like, you know, like this is the new John the Baptist. This is the Elijah that that was promised in the Old Testament. And Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am to his disciples? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. Messiah means Christ. The son of the living God. 
And Jesus kind of loses his mind a little bit. He's like, Peter! <laughs> like, the only way you would have known that, the only way you discern that is that came down from heaven. That is knowledge that came from the Father in heaven. What an incredible insight, discernment. You are listening to God in your life. He says, I'm gonna build my church on you know, your back because you are, you are discerning and you are listening so carefully to what God is saying. And then just a few minutes later or whatever, Jesus starts to say, you're right, I am the Messiah and I'm gonna go and suffer and I'm gonna die and then I'm gonna resurrect from the dead. And Peter pulls him to the side and he says, uh, That's, that is not okay, right? Never. He says that to Jesus. Never will that happen. Can you imagine having the, the courage to be like, never, Jesus, that will never happen to you. And Jesus literally calls him Satan. I can't think of anything worse. He says, you are, you know, you, that's like satanic what you're saying. You are becoming a stumbling block for me. How did Peter have the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah? He's the, really the first one to identify this and fully, like, boldly say it out loud. And then the very next moment, completely misunderstand and, and, and hear from Satan is essentially what, what Jesus is saying. Ever thought about that? You are a stumbling block. My fear is that when we use the idea of listening and hearing from God, we've been so, I don't know, indoctrinated by people who have used that to manipulate other people to get what they want, whether it's power or money or fame or obedience or, you know, yeah, controlling other people's behavior, um, that, that, that that's kind of what sticks in our mind. We watch, you know, the TBN or whatever, and we, t- and we hear these people asking these, you know, I think of like the poor, the poor grandmas and grandpas at home that if you want your, you know, blessing, you better give this amount of money online to me, you know. God told me that we need to build this thing and you need to send it. Or I've heard people say, God told me we need a new jet. People believe this stuff. And I know that that sounds, well, they're silly that they believe that stuff. And it's like, no, but like there's a manipulation when you use the word of God and when you speak on God's behalf. And so I think that we should have some sense of fear around manipulation. We can, we don't have to be on TBN to, to do this. So we can manipulate our spouses or we can manipulate our kids uh, with what we think or what we're saying God is saying or you know, intentionally deceiving them, intentionally leading them astray. The second reason I think it's hard is because my fear is that you won't discern if it is the voice of God or the voice of Satan or the voice of your friends or the voice of a smart person you know or just your own voice. I know that I have claimed that God was telling me something or leading me a certain direction and it was absolutely my own desires that had nothing to do with God. 1 John 4, 1 says, don't believe every message you hear just because someone says it's a message from God. Test it first to see if it really is. So we are called to test other people's words from God, we're called to test our own words from God. And I, and I, I don't want to make this sound like a negative message. I think that what God is calling us into hearing his voice. But how do we do that in the right way? So the first thing, there's going to be three, and they're, they're very simple. I don't think I've created these on my own. Many other pastors have, have probably said these in the past, but I think there are three very important things. The first is, does it agree with the scriptures? 
God won't contradict, like the Holy Spirit won't predict what God, uh, contradict what God has already said. God is consistent. God doesn't change his mind. So if somehow you come up with this radical idea that God is telling you to, uh, <laughs> you know, start an intimate relationship with someone that's not your spouse, well, you can know that that is not true. You can absolutely know that that is not from God. That is either your own desire or it's, you know, demonic or it's a friend putting that in or it's culture telling you that that's what you're, you should be doing or that's how you should live your life. If you feel like you need, you need to, to gossip about another person. I mean, these are just simple examples, but you know what I mean? Like, you're just, no, that's not actually true. You're not, you're not hearing from, from God. But that raises some questions, doesn't it? When we say, does it agree with Scripture, whose interpretation of Scripture? Right? I mean, I don't know about you, but many of us don't have a clue when it comes to the Bible. I call it hermeneutical malpractice. It's like every, and, and like there's, hermeneutics is how do you interpret the Bible? But it happens all the time. And so we can say, if it contradicts scripture, we shouldn't do it. Or if it contradicts what God has already said, that we shouldn't do it. But there's all sorts of misinterpretations all the time. So we take cultural statements from, from the scriptures and make them transcultural. Meaning that we take something that was for the time of Jesus and they're just claiming that this is something that you're supposed to do and it's not really something for all time. Example of, examples of this that we've kind of come out of are women wearing uh, you know, things on their head. Like they had to wear a head, co- uh, you know, head covering. That was very specific to something that was going on in that time period that for a long time Christians actually held to and believed, Right? So what is transcultural? Men, there's a criticism of men having long hair at one point in the New Testament. Well, some of us can't grow long hair, but others that can, you know, they, that wouldn't be something that we would hold to today. Oftentimes we, we confuse the genre. So like we're reading something that's poetic and we interpret it like it's textbook. We take wisdom literature, like Proverbs 22, 6. I remember a parent uh, coming to my Parents, I overheard a conversation, and they said, the promises of God say this in Proverbs 22, 6. Start your children off the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Well, my kids, some of my kids are following Jesus, and the other ones we raised to follow Jesus, and they're not following Jesus. God's promises are not true. This is like a real statement that someone said in the presence of my, my parents growing up, and I was like, is it not true? Like, seriously, as like a 13, 14-year-old kid, I'm like, oh my gosh. They, I mean, this is like a promise in Scripture. And my dad very calmly says, well, this is wisdom literature. This isn't like, the, this isn't a, like a promise. This is, like, this is to say, if you do these, this is the right way to do it. It's more likely that your kids are going to, to turn out the right way if you lead in this direction. It's not supposed to be like the Ten Commandments. It's a different genre of literature. And so we don't often encourage or interpret the scriptures the right way. So it gets very, very difficult when we say, well, does it agree with scripture or not? It can be. And, and we know for a fact that we can make the Bible say whatever we want it to say, can't we? I've heard people use 
the scriptures to justify their positions on wars or the type of government they like, whether it's capitalism or socialism, for killing their enemies, for being pro-Israel or anti-Jew, to justify physical abuse, to be universalist or to con- condemn people to the lake of fire, to justify polygamy, slavery, racism, sexism. I mean, we can go on and on and on. Like, this is what has happened. And so we have to be very careful about saying, well, can I find a verse that justifies what I want to say? So it's really important that we seek to understand what God has actually said and interpret it accurately so that we know when we're listening and we're hearing from God whether this is the voice of God or whether this is the voice of someone else or this is the voice of even Satan, scary as that may sound. The second thing that we must do in order to discern, the question that I think is vitally important is does this make me more like Jesus? Is the thing that I'm hearing make me more like Jesus? Jesus is the standard. Rick Warren says this, by which we evaluate every thought, idea, philosophy, opinion, and fad. The Holy Spirit's purpose in your life is to make you more like Jesus. Be wary if the voice does not sound like Jesus when you read the Gospels or the person that you know. The Holy Spirit's primary function is to exalt Jesus and speak the words of the Father and the Son to us. So it seems pretty simple. But I think we can even make Jesus into our own image if we want. I'm waiting for somebody to tell me that Jesus told them to go sell all their possessions and give them to the poor. Um, Nobody has heard from God like that. Isn't that interesting? Like nobody's heard the Holy Spirit tell them to do that. Yet that actually is something that Jesus said to do to the rich young ruler. I look at um, Matthew 16. Again, going back to our passage, Jesus says, Peter, get behind me, Satan, (laughs) Um, which is kind of mean. But um, then it goes on and he says, uh, let me read it exactly so I don't screw it up, make it, mess it up. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves to take up the cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet you forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And I think my point is to say is that um, Jesus was a revolutionary. I can pretty much guarantee that his voice will not sound like most people's voices. And that his call will typically be more radical and more distant from our culture's voice and from Satan's voice than we would likely like to admit. Um, I, I would... And this is, a, I don't want to take this too far, but like the last couple of years, uh, things outside of Missio Day Uptown have been a little bit difficult at Missio Day. We've had a lot of people on our staff team uh, leave for all different numbers of reasons. We've had a lot of transition take place in different congregations and things like that. And, and a couple of years ago, I was asked to step into like a larger leadership role. And then like a lot of this stuff happened, the pandemic happened, all these things have been really, really hard. And I was reflecting on that this week, some of, when, before I decided to step into that role, I spent a lot of time praying and asking God if this is the right thing for me to do. 
And I remember thinking to myself uh, at the time, being very confident that this is this for such a time as this, like step into this role and help lead in certain areas. And kind of everything's just been kind of terrible for the last like 18 months. Like I'm not talking about here and like up, but just like in the like the large. It's been kind of hard. Right? It's been kind of tough. It's been grinding. It's been long hours, lots of late nights, lots of challenging conversations, lots of difficulties as we've kind of worked through. It. And even like working on new bylaws, like that stuff's not very fun, right? And I started to like ask myself this week as I was preparing this message, like, did I hear from God correctly? Or did I just want to have this, this role because it seemed like you'd have more influence or you'd have, you know what I mean? do you know what I mean? And I don't know if I have the answer to that, whether I actually was hearing from God from now. But what I have heard of the confirmation from the Holy Spirit this week is the sense that just because it hasn't been easy certainly isn't whether or not God wants you to do it or not. And that's the problem I think I often have is the people that I hear that are saying, God is saying this or God is saying that in my life, it always seems to be a move from, from hard things to easier things. God is calling me away from this thing that's hard into this thing that's going better or that's easier or has less difficult conversations. Isn't that interesting? Like how it's, we've somehow shaped the, the voice of God to be, um, and this is not a rip, ripping on this, but like almost like a psychologist whose job is to help you get like more and more healthy. And that's good. <laughs> I want you to be healthy. Psychologists are really good. Please don't hear me. Na- but like sometimes there's a level like where Jesus may not actually confirm that. And your life might actually be, need to be harder. There might be difficult things that you need to step into that are going to be very costly for you. And so, I mean, and that's the words of Jesus in Matthew 16, right? Take up your cross and follow me. Lose your life and you'll find it. Do we believe those words, right? That's the question, right? I mean, it's, it's like, when is the last time I've heard someone say, I've been listening to God and God has told me to be more generous with my money. I want to hear us, like, actually hear the voice of Jesus, right? Not just whatever we think is is the best. Third thing, does my community or does my church family confirm it? If we're a community of people that are striving after to follow Jesus together, and that's the goal of all of our hearts is to follow Jesus, then we need to ask for confirmation. Now I get, like we have thousands of decisions every day that Jesus might be leading, the Holy Spirit might be leading us one way or the other. I'm talking about major decisions in your life. Would you entrust the, the community to help you discern and listen and hear? So I, I think that sometimes when we speak about hearing from God, we can make it really warm and fuzzy and easy. And I just felt the conviction from the Holy Spirit to not make it that way. <laughs> um, I think that there's a few things that come about when we're actually listening, listening to, to the Holy Spirit well. Is that we will be challenged. That we will be challenged to surrender. So when we hear from God, we will we'll be challenged I'm not saying we'll be shamed, but we will be challenged. We'll be convicted of things in our lives. Second thing that will lead to is a surrender to Jesus. And when we'll, be, we'll walk out of a hearing from Jesus with great courage. 
see this over and over again when people hear from God is that they are filled with conviction or challenged from the, the, the Holy Spirit. They, they surrender themselves, well, if they're actually listening to what the voice says, and they walk out with great courage even when they were afraid. So in order to hear from God, we need to you know, know it's God's voice. I gave you some ways in which we can test that. But we need to position ourselves to hear from God. And there is power in how we position ourselves in order to hear from God. Jesus makes, you know, we hear all throughout the Gospels, Jesus left the crowd to go find a place in order to pray. He, when he teaches us to pray, he says, go into your room, close the door, and be with your heavenly Father who is in secret. So the first few centuries of Christianity, and I, and I took this again from, um, uh, the, drawing a blank on this name, so let me grab it, Rich Philotas in his book, um, The Deeply Formed Life. And this is not, a, most people know, study church history, understand that basically Christianity was a marginalized and persecuted religion early on. The book of Acts describes resistance and um, the cost that it took in order to be a follower of Jesus when you claim that Jesus was Lord. Despite the unrelenting danger and confessing Jesus as God as King Christianity spread like wildfire. Christians were people on the edges of society proclaiming the radical message of the kingdom of God serving the poor, healing the sick, and subverting the way of the empire. But something shifted in the cultural landscape in the fourth century, leaving devout Christians with an important decision in how they would live their lives. On the eve of the battle uh, that, that basically made Christianity the state religion, um, the Christians had this significant thing. Constantine basically saw that Christianity was growing like wildfire, and he decides, I'm going to embrace Christianity and make it the state religion. And Christianity has never been the same. In a sweeping turn of events, Christianity went from the persecuted religion to friend of the empire. In light of this significant shift, new questions on faith and discipleship arose. For many Christians, the kind of crisis of faith surfaced. The narrow gate which Jesus had spoken of had become so wide that countless multitudes were hurrying through it, many seeming to do so only in pursuit of privilege and position without caring to delve too deeply into the meaning of Christian baptism and living under the cross. In other words, Christianity had experienced a drastic cultural shift whereby people purported to enter into, into, into life with God and the church not by renunciation of the ways of the world system, but by appropriating it through political and cultural power. It was in this context that men and women decided to, to, to take up the cross and go to the desert. So have you ever heard the term the desert fathers and, and, and mother, like mothers? These were people that saw that the alignment of the church with the empire and decided that they needed to go to the desert in order to hear from God. They had to like, literally move themselves out of the place where they were so impacted by whatever Christianity was becoming in their, in, their, in their world in order to actually hear from the Holy Spirit. The desert fathers and mothers and later monastics remind us that the way of following Jesus requires a steadfast refusal to get caught up in the pace, power, and priorities of the world around us. We are called to have our life shaped by a different kind of power, pace, and priorities offered to us by God. So I... 
even uh, in light of just the series and being challenged in my own, like thinking through it, decided to jump off of like social media. It's just like a simple thing that I could do. So I'm off of Facebook and I'm off of Instagram and I'm off of Twitter for the most part. I check it like once a, once a week just because I like to know what's going on in the world a little bit. No, it's, I, I, it's hard for me to get rid of Twitter. I like Twitter. I don't know, some people hate it, but. Yeah, so I'm not checking notifications. I'm not getting messages. I'm not scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. I have so much more peace, so much less anxiety, so much less frustration and anger about every single person that angers me on these different platforms. I find that my longings are of being perceived as successful or popular or coveting another person's life or comparing myself to others has already shifted in just a couple weeks. It's not completely there, but it's amazing how much satisfaction I find in my own life when I'm not comparing myself to everybody else's. (laughs) How my longings begin to be shaped more when I replace them with like longing after things that, that Jesus might call us to. I believe that God is committed to our transformation. God moves towards us in love, reaching, seeking, and pleading with us to pay attention. The apostle Paul said, we are invited, this is from Galatians 5.15, we are invited to live freely, animated, and motivated by God's spirit. Isn't that cool? That's a paraphrase by the message, but we are invited to live freely, animated, and motivated by God's spirit. So the basic terms, what I want to say is I believe God is calling us to a life of listening to the Holy Spirit, of hearing from the Holy Spirit. I'm more convinced than ever that this is more important for us in our world because the reality is our context and our culture is a lot more like the Constantine version of Christianity than the radical nature that was the first and second century. And in order to separate ourselves out and actually hear from the Holy Spirit, the still quiet voice, to be in the presence of God, we have to find a way to remove ourselves from everything else that's happening so that we can actually listen and hear, so that we can discern what, God, what, what the Holy Spirit's actually saying in our lives. And I believe that this is, is just as important as anything else that we can be doing as a church. And so I actually have, even in the last week, like dreams of creating spaces where people can come to our church and just like be alone with God. I, I really I have this conviction that that, that is like a, a path forward. And I know that's a strange thing to think about after spending so much of our last year in isolation or more alone than ever before. But I'm guessing that many of us spent that time, you know, scrolling through Netflix to find a show. Have you ever done that? Oh my gosh, oh, it's exhausting. It takes me 45 minutes to watch a 20-minute show because I have to decide what show I'm going to watch. What a nightmare. What a waste of time. <laughs> but we do it. And so I wonder, I wonder what, what would happen in our lives, how our intimacy with the Holy Spirit, how our longings and our desires and our posture towards life and the world might change if we would be committed to listening to the Holy Spirit. And what God might do and might show us might change in us because of it. Let's pray.
Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as he makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com.